Hello and welcome to the Adult Bedwetting Podcast, Episode 1. This is Adult Enuretic, your host. And for this episode, I would like to talk about a post from the Weekly Topic series. There is a post entitled, The Worst Protection That You've Ever Tried. And I actually don't want to talk about the worst protection that you've ever tried. It was inspired by a number of posts that were on the best protection that people had ever tried. But we'd had so many of them at the time that I decided to flip the script and do the worst protection that people had ever tried. But that feels like it's a review kind of series, and I don't want to do reviews of the worst protection, which is what it kind of turned out to be at the time. So instead, I want to do a episode on what makes good protection. So there's a number of things that we need to take into account. We want to talk about what makes good protection versus bad protection first thing that people want to keep in mind is when the protection is going to be used. Whether you're a daytime user or a nighttime user, or whether it's a combination of the two. That's going to make a big difference whether or not you're going to be looking for discretion or performance, or whether or not you need a compromise between the two. Discretion is going to be of paramount importance if you're using just in the daytime. But you'll still need enough performance to make sure that you're going to get what you need out of the protection that you're using. If you're primarily using at nighttime, then discretion is not a big issue. So you'll be looking at performance primarily as your concern. Discretion can come into play in a lot of different ways. It can be the amount of sound that a product makes. It can be the thickness of the product, so how much outline it's going to have under clothes. It can be the rise that a product has, so whether or not it's going to show above clothing. There's a lot of considerations there. Performance is going to really run the gamut across a lot of things, and we're going to talk about a lot of those throughout this podcast. Price point is going to be another big concern. The higher the performance, generally, the higher the price point. This is going to vary because you're going to look at different brands are going to have different price points in general. And when you look at the store brands versus national brands, you're going to see a different price point. And some of the, um, what I'm going to call super brands, are also going to have higher price points as well. And that's going to reflect the amount of performance that they have versus our store brands or national brands. Things that you can buy off the shelf in brick and mortar stores generally are going to have a lower price point some of the things that you need to order online to get that are going to have much higher performance. So another thing to consider when you're looking at different protection. Can we stop for a second? Protection. I know different people prefer different terms. Protection feels like a euphemism to me. I'm going to use the word diaper. I'm more comfortable with it. It's easier for me, rolls off the tongue better. So I'm going to use that for the rest of the episode. So the construction of a diaper is going to also have a lot to do with what makes it good or a bad product. Construction is going to include things like the leg gatherers, whether or not it has standing leak guards, elastic uh, waistband, things of that nature. Uh, Leg gatherers, if you didn't know, are where it has elastic along the edge of the legs. That's different than the standing leak barriers. Standing leak barriers are going to be inside the leg gatherers. Usually run from front to back about 70 to 80% of the length of the diaper. And it's going to be 
a barrier material and they're going to stand up on the inside to contain wetness and or um, feces. Elastic waistband can be an option, sometimes in the front, sometimes in the back, sometimes both. Um, it's not always there. Just some products are going to have that, some products aren't. That elastic waistband is also going to contribute to the fit of the diaper. Fit also has to do with a number of other aspects. The rise, sort of the length from front to back, is going to determine how high the diaper comes up above the edge of the clothing. The leg cut is going to be the shape of the edge of the contour of the diaper. It's going to determine how the leg openings are shaped when you put it on. The crotch width, how much actual material is between the legs. And the apron width, that's going to be the width of the actual front and the back when you're putting it on. A huge consideration is the amount of absorbency that a diaper has. The overall absorbency is going to be the total amount of absorbency, how much how much liquid that it can absorb overall. Placement of the padding makes a big difference, especially when you're considering the difference between uh, usage for men versus women. Men usually need more of their padding up front. Women might need more of it between the legs. And whether or not there's a secondary core. Some products are going to have a thicker area, and it might be placed uh, towards the front or between the legs or sometimes at a length that runs somewhere between the two. Another aspect, the absorbent material in a diaper is made out of two primary products. One is going to be uh, paper fluff or wood fluff. It's essentially just like it sounds. It's a paper product. It's almost like cotton but it's made from paper and that's going to be absorbent, but it's also going to wick liquid away from the uh, its origin point. And the other product that's going to be in there is going to be a super absorbent polymer, sometimes just abbreviated as SAP or SAP. That's going to be something that's going to absorb many times its volume in liquid. It turns into a gel, and that's going to lick, lock the liquid away. Those are the two materials that they put in there. Sometimes they put them in layers. Usually the majority of the diaper is going to have a lot of fluff and not very much sap, but if that core is present, that's going to have a much higher density of the sap material, so that's going to really expand when it gets wet. The next component of the diaper is going to be the backing, the back sheet. That's going to either be made out of a plastic or a non-woven material. The plastic if it's present is usually polyethylene and that's going to be a slick plastic material and that's reminiscent of old-fashioned diapers and it's still used in some adult diapers it's rarely seen in baby diapers anymore the other material and the more and what's more modern is a non-woven material and it's usually polypropane this material is going to look on a microscopic level, sort of like a pile of strings or a pot of spaghetti. The idea here is that water vapor can transfer through it, but the gaps between the strings are too small for actual water droplets to get through, so the material is waterproof, but it's not a vapor barrier. So vapor can get through it, so it's breathable, but it's still waterproof.
it's also textured on the surface. So it's soft, uh, does not make a lot of noise, and it's got a texture that you can use as Velcro. So when you go, when it comes to tapes, you can use hook and loop technology on this type of material to use as tapes so that they can be replaced, replaced and replaced over and over and over again. The reason this is still a trade-off, however, is because with the breathable material, you don't lock away odor 100%, and that hook and loop material starts to wear out after a time and starts to stretch. The plastic backing, the polypropylene, tends to be uh, more static. It locks away odor better, and it does not stretch as much. So once you have the tapes in place, you have a fit that stays in place better. However, with the plastic backing, the tapes are not as movable. You either get one-off tapes that you can put in place and you can't really move them because if you try and peel them off, it'll usually rip the backing. You sometimes get tapes with the secondary blue tape on it. They call them second chance tapes. You can stick them on once, you can peel them off of the blue backing, and you get a second chance to restick them. But once you do that, you're pretty much stuck in place then. And then you get some products with a reinforced landing zone. Products with a reinforced landing zone are going to have a broad uh, area that has a reinforced clear area that you can stick tapes onto and peel and restick it over and over again. It's reinforced with a with a heavy-duty plastic that will not tear if you peel the tapes off and restick it many times. A final consideration is reusability. Most of the systems that I've discussed so far have been disposable. Disposable diapers are very convenient, but they're single-use. They're not reusable at all. There are some hybrid systems that use some sort of a backing that you can put a um, disposable pad into. The pad is removed and disposed of, and then the back of the pant is reused. Um, but those are not very common. There are other reusable products that are effectively cloth diapers. There are the traditional cloth diapers that are pinned on. Some of them are the very traditional terry cloth or bird's eye cotton and they're literally pinned in place and then you pull a pair of plastic pants over them or somewhat more modern pull pants. Pull is polyurethane laminate, so that's another acronym. There are also a more modern variety of cloth diapers that use snap-on pants or have all-in-ones that are built so that the cloth diaper itself is built into the backer and the whole thing is washed all as one unit. These have a trade-off in terms of initial investment and they have a trade-off in terms of discretion. So it's going to take a while, it costs a lot to get into them, but you will recoup your cost over time as you wash them and dry them yourself and don't continue to spend as much money on the care and maintenance of them as you would on purchasing disposable diapers on a regular basis. This is obviously not the case if you're paying for laundry at a laundromat uh, or something of that nature. Reusable products are very useful 
for some people if they want to use them at night where discretion is not really an issue. Um, this works well because it takes a lot of thickness to approximate the same amount of absorbency as you can get out of a disposable product because the sap in a, in a disposable product can take on a whole lot of liquid for a very small amount of material whereas in a reusable product you need a lot of cloth to absorb the same amount of liquid as you would be able to with an equivalent disposable product. Because of that, washable products don't always fit well under clothing. There's a lot of bulk, so they're not ideal for use during the day. Now based on that thread, the worst protection that you've ever tried, it seems like a lot of us start off trying off-the-shelf brands. Might be store brands, might move up to the national brands, and work our way through a lot of things that don't work for us before we end up finding something that does. That seems to be a common evolution of working our way through products to get to a place where we find a good product. There's a lot of features that people have to try out before they find something that works for them. And there's a lot of different products with a lot of different fits. It's a very personal thing, finding a product that works for you. So it's a journey that almost everybody seems to take when they first find their way into the realm of bedwetting or incontinence. And this is different for everybody. I mean, some people have been doing this their entire life, so they've grown up with this. Other people, this is something that finds them at some point in their adult life, and they have to find their way through this. I was one of those for whom bedwetting came back. It was something that I had had through my childhood and had effectively grown out of. And then in my 20s, it started to slowly come back. And then around my 30th birthday, made a big resurgence. At that time, my wife suggested that I started wearing diapers again until I could get together with my doctor and figure out what was going on. And that never really panned out. My doctor referred me to a urologist and we did some tests and kind of hit a dead end. So I st started off at major big box store, tried their brand name, had a bad experience, tried doubling up with their brand name, didn't really work any better, tried using the biggest national brand. I'm sure you guys can figure out what I'm talking about. That didn't work a whole lot better than that. And then started doing some research online to figure out what I was missing. At that point, I ended up switching to some of the super brands that you can order online. But I found my way into some better brands that worked better for me, fit better, had more absorbency, something that was re reliable overnight. And from there, I kind of stayed. It was one brand for a number of years, and then eventually switched up to where I am now. I think it's probably fair to say that at this point, um, I use Better Dry. They fit me well, they have enough absorbency, and a price point that I can live with. So at the moment, that's my go-to product.
So, that about wraps us up. This is Adult Neuretic saying, have a good night and a dry morning. Thank you.